Hey there, this is Larry, and I'm here with Armin. You're about to listen to a great episode. But before you do, we want to let you know that we're now podcasting over at the Bold Idea Podcast. That's right, and we're not adding any new episodes to Reinventure Me, but we think you're really going to like what we're doing on the Bold Idea Podcast. We're interviewing some great guests and packing ideas and inspiration to help you put your faith to work to bring your idea to life. So when you're done with this episode, go check it out at boldideapodcast.com. Episode 75 of the Reinventure Me podcast. Well, there's tremendous power in being optimistic, and there's a dark side too. Some pretty serious pitfalls that we're going to talk about in this episode of Reinventure Me. Thanks for joining us. Find your next great beginning. Welcome to the Reinventure Me podcast with your hosts, Larry Gates and Armin Asadi. Hello and welcome to episode 75 of the Reinventure Me podcast, the podcast where we talk about what's next in life. And I'm here, Larry Gates, with Armin Asadi. And Armin, you're sporting a new hat I haven't seen before. I am. I didn't have time to do my hair today. <laughs> I said this was shame in my voice. <laughs> it's a bad hair day, Armin. Huh? Yeah, that's right. I just I, One of the customers we're working with gave me this hat. So All like, right. I'm going to wear it. And good. it's got camouflage on it, so it just makes me look rugged. You do look rugged, that's man. Right. You look like you're... Right. Yeah. Even though I'm a city boy, I don't care. I'm going to fake it till I make it there. Yeah. I expected <laughs> that maybe you'd bring your shotgun in with that hat. <laughs> I would go to prison. <laughs> Definitely not allowed to carry guns. <laughs> Right. Well, oh, I see. Yeah. <laughs> That's one of the, that was one. <laughs> for those of you that are wondering, uh, you have to go back to episode one. <laughs> Get Armin's backstory there, but I didn't realize you actually had a restriction on you. Oh, yes. yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely got all sorts of restrictions on me. <laughs> Up here in Minnesota, the businesses have on their door, firearms are not permitted in, yeah. in this store or whatever. You know, it's yeah. always kind of seemed weird to me right. that a store would have to put a big sign that say firearms are prohibited in the store Unless i guess you know my friends <laughs> they all carry guns so, so the government is putting a sign on you that says firearms are permitted on this body right? yep exactly same <laughs> deal oh, all right this is episode 75 you'll find the show notes for this show at reinventure.me slash 75 what are we talking about today Armin? optimism optimism yeah but the dark side along with the light side all right yes there's two forces yes jedi master this is the star wars pre-show edition gosh i know i'm (laughs) such a nerd whatever i'm proud to be a nerd all right well inspire us army i will so this is a helen keller quote she says optimism is the faith that leads to achievement no pessimist ever discovered the secret of the stars or sailed to an uncharted land or opened a new doorway for the human spirit. Mm. Boom goes the dynamite. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Well, and Helen Keller ought to know. Yes. You know, a tremendous life story She's there. She's lived quite a life. Yes, she has. And, and overcome uh, quite a bit. Quite a bit and maintained a very optimistic view of that. Now, the thing about optimism, are you optimistic? Well, depends on how you're asking that I would say I'm a pessimist, but if it's, say, like an entrepreneurial venture that I actually get involved in, I'm very optimistic. If you're involved, you're optimistic. 
Yes. If anybody else involved, you're pessimistic. No, I'm not the type of person that walks into a situation and always sees the positive side of things, uh-huh. right? I see what where the problems are and I want to fix them. I see whatever. I just see negative things a lot of times, right? I can be very optimistic in terms of I get a project, I know I can get it done. I uh, We start a business, I know we can make it successful or mm-hmm. whatever, right? Even mm-hmm. when we hit challenges, I just... Mm-hmm. You persevere I, through it, yep. you know that you can. Yeah, so I have a perseverance type optimism, but I don't have rose-colored glasses on. Yeah, one of our earlier episodes, you described yourself as not being optimistic, and so that was why it surprised me a little bit because I do see that optimistic side of you. I think you're actually very optimistic. But what I do see is what you described there is when you look at a, a challenge, a situation, you see the ways in which it can be improved. Yeah. I see a very high improver temperament inside of you. And yes. Uh, why operations and all that is really your forte. Yeah. Because there's, <laughs> you know, yeah. lots of things that can be improved there. Well, we're going to talk about optimism, and it isn't just the happy-go-lucky stuff. There's actually some you know, good research around optimism we want to talk today about, and it's not all that it's cracked up to be. Yes, and that's my favorite part of this is going to be the pitfalls. Of course, we talk about the power of optimism, and we're going to talk about the pitfalls of optimism as well. There's both a light side and a dark side, and I consider myself a over-the-top optimist. Uh, which means I probably spend more time in the pitfalls than I do in the power. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, that's our personality. It is. It It is. Well, there's all kinds of optimism we we need to talk about. And researchers, it seems like if you're a psychologist and you're studying something, the way you make a name for yourself is to find a new type or a new way to categorize something. And so you'll probably find as many different categorization of optimism as there are researchers out there that study it. But a few of them that are helpful, I think, in the in the literature, at least to think about it, there's a thing called dispositional optimism. And that's the idea that overall, on the whole, there's going to be more good things that happen to you than bad things. And it's just, in other words, you just got this rosy personality. Everything's going to work out in the end. Everything's going to be fine. And you meet people like that. And I'm probably fairly dispositionally optimistic. Generally speaking, mm-hmm. things are going to work out better than they're not. Hmm. Uh, and I tend to focus more on the positive in that way. So I think that that's true for me. I like that. All right. What's another one? A uh, comparative optimism. Now, comparative optimism is kind of like maybe a little bit about what you just said about if I'm involved in this, it's going to work out okay. A comparative optimism basically says that if it's between me and somebody else like me, I'm more likely to be successful with it than they are. You compare yourself to a similar person and you go, mm, I'm okay. It's yeah. like the Lake Wobegon effect, you know, <laughs> which people have talked about. I have you, no idea what that is. Garrison Keeler. You familiar with Garrison Keeler? I oh, know. my goodness. I Mr. Know. Millennial, we got to get you some I education know. here. I Garrison know. Keeler, the great storyteller, talks about Lake Wobegon in Minnesota and he has this fictitious town. Huh. And he describes this fictitious town where everybody is above average. Okay. Now, of course, you can't all be above average. <laughs> Is this above average intelligence? Yes, above average in looks, everything. intelligence, anything. Oh, okay. But his point is, if everybody's above average, then of course something's wrong because... <laughs> You're all average. Because, you know, it ought not to be that way. So <laughs> comparative optimism is a little bit like that. You know, if you get two people that are comparatively optimistic, they're both going to say, I'm better at this. So for instance, you know, you get two people, a husband and wife, you ask them who's the better driver, <laughs> they both say, I am. 
Well, they both can't be the better driver. Somebody's got to be better, right? My wife and I do that all the time. <laughs> and I am a better driver. <laughs> of course. <laughs> and one of these times, we're going to get her and Anna in here for a rebuttal for everything we've She's ever said. She's just more law-abiding <laughs> driver. Oh, okay. She's not skilled. <laughs> she doesn't have a gun rack in her car. In <laughs> exactly. <laughs> all right. And then there's situational optimism. So that's where... You expect good things to happen with a certain degree of control. In other words, so if the situation looks like this, I expect a good outcome. And that's you know a reasonable kind of optimism. For the controlling personality types? For the controlling type personality, yes, exactly. Yes. And you could be a realistic optimist. And that is when you know enough information, this is then me. that's you. This yeah, is me. Yeah. And that's a healthy form of optimism is that you say, okay, as long as I know a certain amount of information now... Part of the problem comes with realistic optimists is that some need to have so much information that they actually never actually do anything. That was that you described me. Yeah. yeah. So that's a problem that's different as well. Now, all of this has an overlay that, is, that where you can create optimism bias. Yes. And that's really where you start giving weight to information when it's favorable to you. So if you're expecting the outcome to be good, mm -hmm. you're going to expect that the information is good as well for you. So for instance, here's an optimism bias example. You could tell somebody that smoking creates lung cancer and is tied to lung cancer, but they'll smoke because they don't believe they're going to be the ones that are going to contract it because it's not favorable to them to do it. Right. Gambling, you know, you could do the same thing where you're going to lose money <laughs> or you're going to get addicted, or you're going to get whatever, and you don't ever actually think it's going to happen to you. Right. All right, so that's ignoring the reality uh, because you're optimistic that you are somehow able to skirt. Bigger, better, stronger, wiser. Whatever. So I will not get addicted. <laughs> right. So there's lots of kinds of optimism, but that's probably a pretty good overview. So, I mean, okay, I obviously I'm most eager to get to the pitfalls of optimism because I kind of briefed over it and I know that's my favorite part. But before we do, let's start on the positive side for the optimistic people out there and talk about the power of optimism. What are the good side, the strong sides of optimism? Yeah. If you are a naturally optimistic person or you incline yourself toward optimism in the ways that we've described, there's some great, great advantages you have. You're more likely to persevere when there's a trial because you're going to see that, hey, I can get through this. I've got through worse things before. And, you know, you know what an optimist sounds like when mm -hmm. they're under trial. So yeah. you're more likely to persevere. Yeah. You're more likely to attract people to help you mm -hmm. because people are drawn to people that have positive energy rather than those that always see the dark side yeah. and it's like the sky is falling and all the rest. Right. You're more likely to get optimists or more likely to help optimists. Yeah. And, and you're li likely to get uh, help that way. They have actually linked... Uh, optimistic outlook to prolonged life. You're yeah. more likely to live longer and be healthier. And they show anywhere from a five to a 10% improvement in your ability to skirt cardiovascular disease, stroke, or even depression. If yeah. you have an optimistic outlook, it's true. And then you become more likely if you're an optimist to connect with your purpose. People who have a positive outlook are more likely to marshal all their, all their energies to getting rid of depression or anything that's going to sidetrack them. When they know that they're fixed on a purpose that they have in their life, they're more likely to keep sustaining driving energy toward it. Yeah. Now, I was just reading a book called Smart Cuts. In fact, we ought to do some snippets out of that as one of our episodes okay. here. But he was talking in this chapter about what happens when people 
make a lot of money. They become these internet billionaires. And then what do they do after their life? And many of them really miss out on what you know, the vitality that they used to have because the pursuit is over. Uh, yeah. You know, and so they have lost their purpose. They spend all their time trying to make a company successful, the company's mm. successful, and then they are vacant in terms of a purpose. Mm. And it becomes a real crisis for people. And if you're not guarded on that, you it, it can be a trouble. Mm. Of course, you, you know, nothing that billions of dollars can't fix, right? That's right. You can buy it, <laughs> your way out of that one. You know what's funny is you make me think of my friend Bob. Everybody knows him as the most positive human being to have ever walked the earth. And it was so interesting because his company that he works for, which is the largest recruiting firm in America, you know, so it's just this multi-billion dollar organization, mm -hmm. sales heavy, ah, da, da, right? Mm -hmm. So I, uh, they bring me in, uh, do the train the trainers type thing with them. And man, and beforehand, I, 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 you know, met and got some information and about the company. And this company has terrible turnover. I mean, they lose 73% of their people within the first 18 months wow. of working. And Yikes. they have thousands of employees, right? And I went and got to experience a little bit of it. And then there was one of the sales managers or whoever came in and it was just oh man it was bad you know Real like hard. everything you see about what you shouldn't do in a, <laughs> as a leader i watched him do i mean he was demeaning condescending oh. saying if you're not working 15 hours you're out he was one of those guys and i was just i just 15 sat, hours a day yeah okay and i just sat back thinking oh my gosh this is the worst thing i've ever experienced you know and then, but every time i talk to bob he's, he's so positive about everything you know and I, I, but then you look at him, he's one of the very, very, very few that lasts five years that he's been in this company. He's been offered everything that this company can offer, his own territory, his own office in a different state and all this stuff. But it's just because no matter how bad his environment is, he's so optimistic, he never lets his environment break him. He always breaks the environment. He's yeah. that guy. Well, that is the power of optimism is it creates this resilient shield, you know, this yeah. flak jacket in a way that keeps any of the flak, yeah. you know, the shrapnel and everything else that are going to come at you, the world's exploding, but you're safe behind this cushion, yeah. right? Of course, the problem, which we're going to get into a little bit, is that, that you can't always see things clearly yeah. <laughs> when you're covered uh, so richly in this texture of optimism because it's, it's, it's a lens by it's which you true. view the world. <laughs> so for these optimistic people, I mean, just me sharing that story about Bob, what do you think are, would be some threats to people like Bob, the optimistic people? Well, there's always reasons to have your optimism depleted. <laughs> and yeah. those are the threats to optimism. And, and one of the hardest challenges uh, for optimistic people and even people who are perhaps just a little bit more in the middle, maybe just pure straight realists. They're not quite pessimists, but they're, you know, just, uh, they, they could tend toward pessimism or optimism Right, would be negative people, mm -hmm. people that are just, you know, always looking at things from a glass, uh, half empty perspective. And right. they're always seeing the downside and stuff because a lot of that is just driven by fear. And the one thing about fear is it's boundless, you know, there may only be several ways in which something can succeed, yeah. but there is an infinite way, number of ways in which something can fail. Yes. And so the pessimist focuses on all the possibilities of failure, whereas the optimist focuses on, on all the possibilities of success. Now they might blow those out of proportion, but there is a different difference in orientation. So that's one of the biggest ones. Certainly 
even though optimists are more likely to be able to sustain themselves and persevere through trial, any long engaged period of difficulty can be taxing for an optimistic viewpoint. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. you start to encounter tragedy after tragedy after tragedy, and it is hard to keep a positive outlook because one of the things that tragedy does do is it starts to focus your attention on the adversity. And as soon as your attention is focused there, you start to see more adversity. It isn't like the adversity wasn't there. It's just right. become, you're more sensitive to it. And so the prolonged adversity and, uh, in a difficult time can, can keep optimism uh, at bay as well. Yeah. I mean, it becomes just your perception of life. So you stop looking for the good and start looking for the bad and that becomes your reality pretty quickly. It, it, it does. And if you're not careful, it'll morph into the third threat that I think is uh, pretty predominant. And I think really part of the, the challenges that people who have a more pessimistic outlook have is that is shame. Yeah. That you, that you think that, that it's the world is broken because you're broken mm. and that there's something wrong with you. Yeah. And, uh, that's, uh, you know, we talked about shame in one of the earlier episodes, but that's a real thing that keeps you, I think, from being optimistic. It's so true. Sure. I've watched so many people who didn't have a lot of love growing up from their fathers and mothers. Yeah. Um, they were just loved in a terrible way. Yeah. You know, and yeah. shamed. I mean, we talked yeah. about that when you talked, uh-huh. one of my favorite episodes, but it's they, they convince themselves that they're unlovable. And even when people come into their lives who truly do love them and go out of their way to love them, they think they're being patronized or they think they're, I don't know, whatever it is, but mm-hmm. they push people out of their life thinking that what they're doing with them is fake or whatever. Right. And it's, they're creating that unlovable reality, which is Mm -hmm. so weird to me, you Mm -hmm. know, but it makes sense. So um, let's talk about the pitfalls because this is, this is what I've been waiting for. Yeah. This is the dark side. Yeah. I am Darth Vader sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) So pitfalls of optimism. This, this is a point a lot of people miss about optimism. And I think this is something that everybody considers optimism to be, half glass full, rose-colored glasses, everything is good, but they miss this part of it. So this is what I'm really excited about. Why don't you, can you just tell me a little bit more about this than what we talked about earlier? Yeah, there's a lot of dangers in being optimistic, and I will share this only from personal experience because yeah. I've, I've encountered a lot of these. And it's if you're not careful, if you don't know about these, you won't stop yourself or know to stop yourself or mm-hmm. to to put on the brakes about it. But one of the chief pitfalls of optimism that I have personally experienced is a persistent underestimating the effort it's going to take to do something. (laughs) Because you just, you know, you always think, oh, there's enough time or it's not going to take as long as it does. And then what happens? And this is where I have, you know, for 30 years or maybe longer have really wrestled with this is then what happens is it becomes the seed of procrastination. Because as soon as you believe, oh, yeah, I can get that done and I can see exactly how to do it and, uh, yeah, I can crank that out in an hour and a half, you go, well, I don't have to do that hour and a half right now. I could do that hour and a half tomorrow. And and you, you kind of think that the wind <laughs> is always going to blow strongly in your sails. That came really naturally. I feel like you've had that conversation. All, <laughs> all the time. And what ends up happening then is you go, well, all right, I, I'll do it tomorrow. And then when you have that period of time you're thinking, okay, I'll get to this. And then you get a flat tire yeah. or something happens that just totally wipes out yeah. what you, you know, some unforeseen circumstance just totally wiped it out. Yeah. Or 
you get into it and you realize, oh, I don't have this piece of information I need to have, or I it's taking longer than I thought I did, or you know, you start to get into a panic. Yeah. And that's a big problem is you just start underestimating the effort because you're just like, ah, it's easy, easy peasy, you know? Yeah. We, we, yeah. It's a little overconfidence. I love how Mahav and I have to deal with that with church people, you know, because they always have the, if God is for us and who can be against us yeah. mentality. And yeah. it's like, the, you, they would just force us to take on projects where you just, oh, think, yeah. Oh, come yeah, on. If, if, There's if, no way. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, it's interesting. You brought it up, but it's kind of an interesting. Maybe we should do just an episode on this is, is there is a form of abuse that's spiritual abuse by using spiritual language to try to get stupid stuff. Amen, out. brother. Amen. <laughs> you preach, know, preach. We're, like, we're like, if God is in it, then by golly, we should just jump over the cliff All and he's going to rescue us, you yeah. know? And that's basically what <laughs> Satan sold, told to Jesus, you know, hey, strike your foot against the stone and, you know, hurl yourself over there. His yeah. angels will take care of you. You know, that was like, yeah. wait a minute. But we do that every day in church when sure we tell do. them, you know? <laughs> so yeah, all right, I'll get off that soapbox. But that is that kind of optimism and it's not a realistic view of what it, something might take. We overestimate the effort. I love that. So, okay, what about the taking inappropriate risks? That's one thing that you talked about that I really like. Yeah. So we will tend to get overconfident. You know, we'll get yeah. a little bit cocky because, you know, hey, you know, it'll happen. We can make it happen. I can pull a rabbit out of a hat. All right. And so we end up doing stuff that we shouldn't be doing. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I read Daniel Kahneman's book, Thinking Fast and Slow, this year. I think I mentioned that to you earlier. And he says this in that book. I thought this was really good. Most of us view the world as more benign than it really is. Mm. Our own attributes is more favorable than they truly are, and the goals we adopt is more achievable than they are likely to be. We also tend to exaggerate our ability to forecast the future, which fosters optimistic overconfidence. Mm. And that's just it. That's He's nailed it right on the head. And we become so optimistic about stuff that we can't control. Mm-hmm. And we think, oh, it can happen. Yeah. And what ends up happening is that we end up taking on risk without looking at it. Yeah. And it's all because optimism has driven us to that. Yeah. It sounds like an entrepreneurial venture. It is. Entrepreneurs have to have optimism or they will not get through. You cannot find a pessimistic entrepreneur. It's true. You cannot. It's true. If you are, if you are a pessimistic entrepreneur, we want you on the show because we've got to dive into that conversation. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get them on a clinic. Oh, I'd love that. <laughs> That'd be that great. Would it? Yes, yeah. absolutely. I defy a pessimistic entrepreneur. Yeah. And, at the same time, it, they become blind to looking at the risk because they believe they can do it. And you have to have a certain degree of confidence yeah. in order to take some of those risks. But how well do you measure it? You know, it's so weird because it's their pessimism. They build something, they create something, whether it's a product, a software, a service, or whatever it is, and they see how good it is based on their opinion. And that's it. It's like no one else's opinion matters. And it you just want to shake them and say, you're not going to buy your product. Somebody else is. Yes. You have an end user. Yes. You have a customer. Yes. It might be worth getting their opinion rather than being so confident in what you have because they might not be willing to pay for it. Yeah. You're, I remember a conversation I had with a client of mine. We got into the conference room and he started talking about his product. And he says, Larry, what do you think about my product, my baby? Yeah. And I said, it doesn't matter what I think. Yeah. And he looked at me. What do you mean? I said, I'm not the guy buying it. I'm yeah. not the person buying it. Right. Well, Matt, what I think doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It's true. He My goes, validation won't help you. <laughs> but Yeah. But he said these words. He says, Larry, I just want you to tell me that my baby is pretty. <laughs> what does that do for you? It's nothing. 
you know, but but it would make him feel good. Validated, as you said. Drives me enough. And and that is part of the pitfall of optimism is that you start to look for the wrong kinds of information. You're looking for information that validates your optimism Mm -hmm. rather than what is real. Yes. And that kind of ties into the last point really here is that you will ignore important information. Yep. And that is because you are looking to, like we just talked about, validate what you've concluded. And anything that's to the contrary of that means you're going to have to rethink it. Mm -hmm. And that is a threat to what it is that you've put out there. And that's the problem optimistic people have is they're not used to dealing with those threats, especially if they're self-imposed. And optimists, we all base our decisions about things based on our previous experience. Oh, I've done it before. I know how to do this. I can do it again. You know, that sort of thing. So optimists are really good if the environment is stable. Mm-hmm. As soon as you create an unstable environment or ask them to do something that hasn't been done before, yeah. they don't know that they're not good at forecasting that. Yeah, They think that they're good at it, yep. but all the equations have been changed. Yes, And the problem is now they don't know what information to look for because they're basing it on some experiences that don't map sure is. to yep. the new environment. It's a good description. And that's And that's the problem. <laughs> that's the problem I have and perhaps you have too at times. We have to be aware that we're going to do really well if it's a similar thing that we've gone through. If it's new, then it's time to slow down yeah. and ask some of those tough questions that might not be what you want to do. Yeah, right? I'm definitely not that guy. I'm on the other side where I collect too much information because I'm pessimistic. Then I, But my partner and I, we create a really good balance. Is that all of it for the pitfalls? Yeah, that's enough. Okay. So here's what we I, could go on and on with pitfalls. I'm I, sure, I know but. I could. That's why I wasn't <laughs> chiming in because I'm the master. But I want to know personally, how do I increase my level of optimism? Because I really do lean more towards the pessimism side. Yeah. Well, there's lots of ways to do this. Actually, I wrote down a few thoughts on how to increase optimism because I think it's something that we can all gain from. Yeah. As long as it's realistic optimism that we've been talking about, it's all we can all get a little bit better at it. And it's interesting. I I wrote down a few ideas of things that I think that I've used that help me b- stay and become and sharpen my level of optimism. But but I went out into to Google and thought, oh, I'm going to see what other people have to say about this. And the actually, Google the machine. advice is all over the all over the board. So take what I'm going to tell you with your own grain of salt. And if you can find something helpful in it, go for it. I'll uh, tell you if I'll actually do it. Too. All right, you do that. All right. So the first one is to associate with positive people. I mean, we already talked about negative Definitely. people are the number one reason you'll lose optimism. And it is a bad apple does spoil the whole bunch. And negative news fosters fear. Yeah. More than optimism fosters success. Mm. I mean, it's just, it's infectious. It's like a viral disease. And yeah. you get around fearful people, game over. That's true. You have to isolate yourself from it. And as Jim Rohn said, you're the average of five people you spend the most time with. Yep. So go f- spend some time with better people. <laughs> That's literally one of my strategies. I kid you not. Oh, I, I believe that yeah, about I, you. I, yeah. I have to. Yeah. I believe that. Because I will do head spin downwards really quick yeah. if I'm not. What else? One of the things that I think also increased your level of optimism is focusing more on the future than on the past. Right. And more on the forgetting what lies behind, as the Apostle Paul said, and pushing forward to what lies ahead. Yeah. You know, we think about our thought life. Where do we spend most of our time? Is it in the past? Is it Mm -hmm. the present? The future? Yeah. Now, pessimists spend a lot of time thinking toward the future as well, but their thoughts are fear. 
yeah. based out of fear. What could happen to them that might cause something to go? So when I say put your thoughts toward the future, it's really putting it the focus on purpose, like we were talking about before, rather than rather than the fear based stuff. Yeah, I used to do that quite a bit. I always thought backwards. I always just dwell on the past. Why did it happen? How did it happen? I would just let it fester up in me. And it's weird. It took several years and partially being saved. That helped. That It helped me to see those situations that were bad to say, all right, stop looking at what happened, how it happened, why it happened, figure out how to fix it. Mm-hmm. You know, And every conflict became an opportunity. Every pitfall became an opportunity. Every whatever, everything became an opportunity because I started looking forward rather than backwards. But that's a huge thing Yeah, I completely agree with and yeah. try to do. Yeah, and Gordon McDonald uh, uh, mentions a military historian, John Keegan. He has a term called vital optimism, and that's where you have this sense that there is a bright future ahead and just keeping cultivating that purposeful, bright future. Yeah. You know, when you lose that, you've lost a vital thing called hope. Yep. And yeah, you that, can't go back and... St- prevent something from happening it already happened right so stop dwelling in the past start right. looking at how to make it better yeah. cultivate yeah. your hope i love it anything yeah. else this is something that's come up in almost every podcast it seems but just uh, cultivating gratitude listing things that you're grateful for i've tried that so many times yeah, I, it doesn't I, work no i well it works but i just i can't stick to it you oh know? oh yeah yeah I just like writing it down i just eventually get bored and i think this is stupid yeah because i'm a pessimist <laughs> <laughs> I use things as a to-do list manager. Yeah. And so I put a repeating event on Saturday mornings that is to write a thank you note every week. Ah, that's, you've said this before and I loved the idea and I didn't do anything with it. Yeah, that's all right. You just write it down and, and start doing it. Ah. But the key for me is that it, because I put it as a recurring event, it comes up. So I forget it, but it's now in my to-do list manager. So it's recurring. It pops up and I go, oh, yes. I got to think about somebody to thank. <laughs> I'm putting it in my calendar <laughs> because right now. I'm not ignoring you. I would not have done that if I had just left it to, oh, that's a good idea. It right. had to be a reminder for me to pop up. And when it pops up, it's not like somebody necessarily comes to mind right away. I have to sit there and think, okay, what interactions did I have this past week and who do I want to be thankful for? So that's another one. Here's another way to increase optimism that I learned from Larry Crabb a long, long time ago. Larry Crabb is a psychologist, and, and he said his rule of mental health is only to take responsibility for the things that you can control. Hmm. And if that's a, a great way to maintain optimism is not feeling like you're responsible for stuff that's outside of your control. Great way to cultivate your optimism. I like that. I kind of missed that last part because I was putting in the note to <laughs> write a thank you note. That's all right. Week. I just kept rolling on with it. I, as I, you, were, you did really yeah. well. You didn't even need me to look at you on that part. <laughs> Here's one more, and this is a little bit strange. I think we talked about this in one of our early episodes. Ooh, I like Eat strange. the toad. What? Eat the toad. Okay. I remember talking about this because yes. it's that weird, but yes. I don't remember what that meant. Yes. Uh, Nicholas Champfort said, swallow a toad in the morning and you'll encounter nothing more disgusting the rest of the day. Ah. And we talked about this earlier on, and it will, actually we talked about how to beat procrastination in episode 70. There is something that you are avoiding. There's something that I'm avoiding, some big thing that we don't want to do. Get up in the morning and do it. Yeah. You will feel more optimistic the balance of the day because you got the big thing done. Yeah. It releases endorphins. It makes you feel better about yourself. And when you've got a better audit, uh, a view of the world or when you exercise, you're yes. just release, releasing those endorphins. You cannot not be more optimistic about yes. your outlook. You know what's funny? I think the biggest thing I find people avoiding, and that's why we did the conflict 
episode is that people avoid conflict more than anything. And I don't, I literally don't meet people that get eaten up more by anything else other than conflict that they have and they avoid it for weeks. Yes. And if that's what that's you're huge. avoiding, that's huge. So that if that's right, that <laughs> may be the biggest toad and most helpful toad for you to eat is yes. just lean into the conflict that you're having with yes. someone. Ooh. And you'd be surprised how well people uh, respond to you just uh, having conflict with them and just getting it over with because that could change your day. Rather than dwelling on the negative, see how positive it can be. That could be a huge optimism strategy for oh, people. That's great. Well, I got a bonus one, and this is going to come really easy. Okay. You want to increase your optimism? Oh, no. All right, ready for this? Oh, no. Just get older. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was like, what is it going to be after get, I, eat no. a toad? <laughs> I, I, just, I just had a birthday this last week. <laughs> but you know what? Studies show that as people get older, they tend to focus on more positive things. They're more likely to carpe diem. Yes. And seize the day because they probably realize that there are fewer diems left. Yes. You know, so they're yes. going to make the most out of everything. And studies have shown as you get older, you tend to get now, you know, mileage may vary, but you tend to get more optimistic. So just get older and yes. enjoy the days that you have. I totally agree because I think one of the things I realized from getting older is you worry about so much stuff that's so pointless to worry about. Right. But you realize it more and more the older you get. So you start worrying less and less the older that yeah, you get. Yeah. And now you took us back to the point that I made that you weren't paying attention with is focus on the stuff you can control. So Naturally. there you go. It all ties and together. And learn how to listen better, <laughs> Armin. So all right, challenge me. Yeah, challenge you. Yes. All right. I'm going to take this. Okay. So you already took one of the challenges. You put your little... I did. Thing I, in the, I literally right, put it while we were talking. I watched you. Okay, good. <laughs> that was good. Is that the challenge? <laughs> no, that was oh. Well, one of those might be challenged, but I was just going to suggest that our listeners think about the most optimistic person that they know. Okay. And make an appointment to spend some time with them. I will introduce people to my friend Bob. There you go. AKA Breezy. A AKA Breezy. Because <laughs> his life is always breezy. That's why I call him Breezy. He's well, got t-shirts. <laughs> well, we are unfortunately out of time on this episode, but we do need to press on and say goodbye to our listeners. Armin? Yes. Thank you for joining us. If you like what you heard here, please check it out at reinventure.me backslash 75 or find us at Twitter at reinventure.me, Facebook, LinkedIn, Google+. We're all over the social sphere in every aspect, even include uh, iTunes and Stitcher. So if you guys would do us a favor and just leave us a review, that really helps us, encourages us, and gets our name out there. And that's what we're looking for. If you're looking for iTunes, just go to reinventure.me backslash iTunes or reinventure.me backslash Stitcher. And most importantly, if you guys could leave us a question or comment on reinventure.me or call 612 314 Five four four seven. We would be forever grateful. But for now, this is Armin Asadi and Larry Gates bidding you adieu. You've been listening to the Reinventure Me podcast with your hosts Larry Gates and Armin Asadi. <laughs>